Alright everyone, welcome to episode number 7 of the Solve for Why vlogcast. We have all been immediately deleted from the main event of 2019. And now we're here. Sad day. Yeah, it's a sad day. We all have been eliminated. I've been eliminated from three other tournaments since. Yeah, I've been eliminated from two other tournaments since as well. It was... Uh... You know, it's always a sad day. What are you going to do? Is you play the main event. There's high hopes. The vibe is in. The, the energy is high. And then you meet your fate, and there's nothing you can do. I didn't really feel that emotional this year. I had, well, it's different. You're rich. No, I'm not. And uh, I think it was just like last year I was flirting with the chip lead all through day one and day two. Uh, and this year, like nothing good really happened. I never really got any chips. I felt sick all day long. There was an earthquake, uh, just sheer and utter chaos. I was happy to even bag chips and only bagging 18 K didn't really feel like a lot of hope. I don't know. Every time people say hope now, I keep thinking of that song, like the high hopes for a living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really great. It's I wish we could use it. Yeah. So yeah, day one was crazy. So we all played day one C, which had an insane amount of people. This is the first year that you could actually even register on day two. Uh, but day one C was wild just simply because it was an earthquake. It was the first earthquake I've ever even been remotely involved in because I'm from New Jersey and there's no earthquakes in New Jersey. Yeah. Literally never. Well, there's not supposed to be any in Vegas either. I don't know. We're pretty close. When they showed the map of how close we are to California, I was like, wait a second. We're, this, this is danger zone. We're far enough east of the fault line that, like, the most we're going to get are these tremors. Or... Tremors? That w <laughs> I saw a chandelier about to fall on my head. <laughs> a tremor. I honestly, well, I, I had vertigo for, like, hours afterwards. It was weird. It was the strangest feeling. But, like, you know, I, I doubt that what we experienced would even measure beyond a 2 on the Richter scale. That was a 7.1 in Death Valley. Listen, me and Andrew, Andrew Frankenberger understand how scary it was. He flopped a set in the, <laughs> and ran out. Yeah. He came back, and his hand was dead. I got to say. And then Bryce Yoki was like, I'm from L.A. I would have stayed there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have stayed. Uh, I did stay. I didn't even flinch. Like, it was just happening. I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not in danger of anything falling on my head. We're good. Um, but... There was a long break. Frankenberger must have been one of the last to re-enter the building for his hand to be declared dead. Well, the thing was, like, it was mid-hand, yeah. right? And then he just left. That's okay. That happened at a lot of tables. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He must have been gone for 15 minutes. He's from New York. Once the ground stopped shaking, it's safe to re-enter the building, I think. I don't know, man. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't test it. I feel you, Frankenberger. I understand. Like... I went to Chance's. I got moved to my friend Chance's table. He said he was under the table. He went under the table. <laughs> that table's not going to help you in any capacity. I don't know. If anything, it's only going to make things worse. So I'm just saying. So, yeah, day one was wild because of, obviously, the earthquake. There was other things that happened. Nah. It was one of the wildest <laughs> days. From now on, I will only play day one C. Clearly <laughs> that this is the day where the party's on. Yeah. So, Second event that happened was there was a professional poker player who I forget his name right now, but it's not it's not not that his name's not important. He's an important person, I'm sure, to the people around him. But effectively, he got you know he got pretty drunk and he won a pot and then scooped another player's stack that had not shown up yet. So he effectively like was scooping an extra 60k. He ends up getting arrested 
and like escorted out of the building, DQ'd from the tournament, which is pretty wild. Then eventually he ends up apologizing to the to to the poker community. Says that you know this is not really uh, something he does, obviously on a regular basis. I don't want to butch his first name. Um, I didn't butch it because I didn't mention it. Right. Oh, so it, it's yeah, it's it's Georgie Balanian. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess he's like uh, a pretty high stakes regular in the mixed game community. Um, a lot of people vouched for his character. A lot of people said that, uh, you know, he's a good person. Uh, his apology was, hello, I really want to apologize to all players, staff, Mr. Effel, and the whole poker community for my unprofessionalism and misbehavior in the WSOP main event. I take full responsibility for my behavior, got really drunk and could not control myself. I was up all night playing and drinking in cash games at the Rio. By the time I realized what time it was, I decided to go register the main. I don't remember much. I really did not want to cheat anybody. Just stupid drunk joke, which landed me a night in jail for trespassing. I hope you all understand. And believe me, if I say this, uh, if I say it's the first time in my life I've been involved in such a bad story. A lot of people in the poker community can confirm before this accident. Uh, I think he meant incident. I've never been involved in any suspicious activities. I really care about my reputation and life values. And I promise you that all this will never happen again, Georgie. Um, don't mix clear drinks with dark drinks. That's that's literally <laughs> what you have to understand. You can't mix the drinks like then this happens. You start taking someone's stack, you end up in jail. Just clear vodka, you're fine. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, when I was walking up, I was like 20 minutes late to day one, and he was in handcuffs on the top step of the of the WSOP, pleading for people to to hear him out. And like they kept trying to, they're, they're police escorting him off, right? They're trying to get him to move. And every time they would like pick him up and get him to start walking, he would just let his feet come out from underneath him and take a seat right there. <laughs> oh man, that's rough, man. I mean, do you think he should have got DQ'd for that? For the oh, for un that unquestionably the, the scoop. So. Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, if nothing else, it's gonna be impossible for people to ever understand intent mm. you know there's only eight other people at the table who can provide context right and a lot of them probably aren't in on the joke right because right? like this is just going on in his own drunken head but also on top of that it's like it it messes with the integrity of the game uh, there's the issue of having to now get that person's stack correct correct which is going to require probably going to cameras or at least reverse engineering how many hands have been played since it was early enough whatever mm -hmm. I think the bigger question is, should he be trespassed for life or, uh, you know, does he get kind of a get out of jail free card? My best guess would be that he won't ever be at the World Series again. That seems like too harsh. I don't know, man. It, it's, mean, it's flirting like, with cheating and people have been banned for far less. I think that, you know, if, if he was really drunk and it's easy to, to get that, right? Sure. They'll, they'll have the breathalyzer. Uh, you'll figure out what the alcohol level was. If he was drunk, then we understand that this is probably a one-off situation. You can, you know, maybe ban him for a year. Then, you know, you're The fine. problem is, is that the World Series isn't in the business of giving the benefit of the doubt. They really don't have any incentive to, especially when it comes to acts that engage in cheating mm -hmm. um, or scandals along those lines. I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent. It would be nice if, like, there was a panel that could uh, kind of, like, arbitrate this. But again, like they're a private entity. They don't really have to go through those channels. I mean, think about the, the litany of people who have gotten banned for drunken things. Like, you know, we know Panzica got pretty hammered at the main event final table. Yeah. And uh, said some off-the-cuff things that got him banned for life. Right. Uh, Slayer's banned. I don't even know why. 
Slayer, let us know why you're banned. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, we solve problems here. That's the, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, there, there's a bunch of people who fall into this category, but then there are others. Um, I think it was two years ago, maybe, Jared Blesnick got DQ'd and possibly trespassed. Not sure. I remember. I mean, Blesnick's been in, in the series, so. No, well, that was what I was going to say. Then, like, Helmuth and a few other names, like, uh, went like to bat got, for him. Yeah. And I think it got lifted. But I don't recall why. Okay. Uh, I just know that it had something to do with gaming integrity. Okay, and that makes sense. I don't even want to speak on it because I'm not positive it was even Blesnick. From my understanding, they're not uh, very lenient when it comes to these trespassing bans. Yeah. And I think that that's fine. Uh, I think that we get a little bit more up in arms in the community when it's a respected member mm. and this zero tolerance policy can right. be a little bit harsh. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I don't know what they're incentivized to do to handle it, to be honest. I feel like it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, I understand it's the biggest tournament of your, of your, of the series. Like something like this is a big scandal. Ah, you know, but if he's drunk and we can prove he's drunk, very likely a one-off situation. Maybe we, we see how he acts. Uh, you know, if he's a high stakes pro and a lot of people are vouching for him, I think we're fine. Uh, I remember, uh, it must, it was early in my career, like really early, like maybe 2010. I don't you, even you remember 2012. No, but, uh, a situation occurred where I was playing with, I can't remember his last name, but his first name's Rob. He used to be in like the poker media. And he was immediately to my left. And a situation arose where uh, after a pot, there was a chip between the two of us. And um, I was fairly confident it was mine, but I didn't have a very strong argument oh, man. for this, or against. This, this is like literally that famous World Series uh, where I think it was Prahlad Friedman and, and who was the other player? He's like very known, and there was like an anti that yeah, like yeah, didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This was like a big thing. Like, yeah, no, like, the anti gate. It was yeah. uh, Jeffrey Lissandro. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I thought I saw you throw that out. Pilad making a awesome. big deal out of a little thing. He believes Lissandro, not Holmes, failed to put out an anti. I thought you threw it out, dude. So uh, you know, I'm not 100%, but they should check it. Holmes seems uninterested. So if he threw the anti out, he just gets robbed. Because he he's more bold and says that. Are you I a thousand percent? I'm not a thousand percent. I say I saw him throw it in. I, if it, I knew for sure, you think I'm gonna rob him for five thousand? You idiot. It doesn't matter. You're acting like an idiot. I'm yeah. acting like an idiot. All right. Yeah, you didn't well, even I don't, see it. I don't trust you, sir. Okay. I don't trust you. No, this was different. We we handled it amongst ourselves, but I was really hesitant to do so. So like, effectively, we just went red black on the next flop mm -hmm. for who took ownership of the chip. And it was fine because like we were at least smart enough, I guess, to just do it between the two of us. We just let the chip rest there until the results came out. And it really is fair in all actuality. But if we had to explain that to an operator, right. it's very likely that like they just interpret it as cheating or, right. or collusion in some capacity. And you know, I was really uncomfortable even in the moment. I almost just said, like, take it. But it was like a blind. And it's like, well, I'm giving a lot up here where I think it's already mine. And yeah. Now I'm just like telling him to take it because he wants to flip for it. Right, for sure. He's like, he's like free rolling. Right, right. So then the third incident, the final third incident was, well, oh, another. This, this guy did my town dirty, man. 
He was wearing a Pittsburgh jersey from, from the Pirates. Pittsburgh. Oh, well, even worse. Jersey, stand up. Anyway. So the third incident was this player probably drunk. He's on a, it looks like he's on a bender as the story continues. Uh, is all in blind. She tables his hand. Is queen three offsuit. Then takes his pants off. Do we, <laughs> should we do a reenactment? No. Okay. No. Uh, takes his pants off, throws a shoe. Wait, well, he well, took his he... shoes off first. Okay, so he took the shoes off. Honestly, well, in the video, uh, he didn't intentionally throw the shoe at anybody. He was literally just stripping down, and oh. in the process of like taking the shoe off, he just flung it. Okay, definitely have to put this uh, video clip into this section because yeah. we're not doing justice to what's happening. That's why I almost reenacted it. So then he takes his pants off, full frontal. Everything's being shown. There's some details to this that got left out. So he had been shoving blind, I guess, or announcing the, or maybe he shoved out a turn. That's what it was. Okay. He shoved dark out a turn. And uh, one guy at the table asked for a ruling of like what would happen if he limped. Mm -hmm. And they're basically like, he still has to go all in. So this guy has already seen that the guy is queen three off mm -hmm. and has yet to act on his hand. And he's ace three suited. Yeah. So he chooses to limp. Yeah. This guy's committed to going all in. Okay. Folds around to the big blind, and then the whole antics occur where the shoes go flying, his dick comes out. Uh, we get basically a memory for a lifetime. The big blind has fives. Yeah. And ultimately arrives at a fold because this person limped with full knowledge yeah. of the dark hand, right? Right. Ace three of clubs then folds. Yeah, he's scared. <laughs> he's, sh he's shook daddy. He's Why would you limp? Yeah. And then you see the hand that you definitely you, want. You, I mean, that's No, funny. he had already seen it. Uh, he had full, complete information. Yeah, he's Put in one big blind and then ultimately decided to just fold. Yeah, he shook. No, it doesn't make any sense, though. He just He's giving away one blind no matter what. He got brave, right? It's like, it's like when you get into a fight, right? When you're getting into a fight, you're like, yeah, fuck, I'll fuck you up. I'll fuck you up. And then the guy's like, all right, let's go. And then you're like, yo, yo, chill. Yo, chill. <laughs> You know, like, yo, chill. That's what happened right now. That's exactly what I was like. Oh, you want to shove blind? I'll live. And then the guy's like, yeah, I'm in. And he's like, nah, chill, bro. I'm out. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. The I guy's mean, shook. It's crazy. So if you're out there, you want to come to Soul for Why, we'll solve your problems. We'll teach you how to fight. Soul <laughs> <laughs> for Why Dojo. Yeah, what 2021. So he's DQ'd from the tournament. Another, I guess our job here is to analyze if a DQ is fair. Of course, the DQ is fair. Some people were saying if well, this if this would have been 2012, this guy would have been on a feature table. No, 100%, man. Do you remember? Oh, you, this is before your time. There was a guy, uh, the year I, I think it was the year I went deep in 2010, but it may have been one of the subsequent years. I don't recall. Uh, this guy was barking like a dog. Every, I was, I've seen that. Yeah, every seen time that. he won a hand, that. he was barking like a dog. It was like the last year that they allowed this nonsense <laughs> to go on. And he got on feature tables because of it. That's and great. And we were like, this guy's so fucking annoying. What did he do? He's like in the Miranda room. Like nobody <laughs> even cares, right? There's no cameras. But he did it long enough and he lasted deep enough in the event <laughs> where he gets patched up. He gets on feature tables. Like this guy's making thousands of dollars for barking like a goddamn dog. And eventually like people realize it's all shtick. Ted Board's barking has gotten the attention of tournament officials. Behavior. Yeah. Okay, you can't be yelling at the top of your lungs in the middle of a poker tournament. Do you hear me? Yeah. Oh. Average over in the far blue section yelling. You oh, can't do it. It's disruptive behavior. So right now we need to be warning. If happens again, we will give you a penalty, okay? Really? Yeah. Okay, he's getting a yellow card, and I agree. Let's mm -hmm. go. The honest emotions are fine, but if you're going to be rinse tin, tin you should be in a kennel. 
So the dog barker now a bit sheepish as he returns to action at table two. Clearly, they want the game to be boring where we all stare at each other and don't say anything. And Hey, I love true emotion. I love bursts of excitement. But these premeditated celebrations, frankly, are for the dogs. Or like every year somebody shows up with a shtick to like get yeah. on TV. And the World Series started cracking down a little bit more. Like that's that's when they got a little bit more aggressive with like the Kasuf stuff and you know, there's room for characters, but there's not room for being obnoxious. But it's hard to find characters if you're always being strict. No, I agree. I, I think like even being obnoxious is okay. It's like it just needs to be in a vein of you're you're only annoying to yourself, I guess, or you're only harming your own EV, right? So like when you're talking about like being boisterous, that's okay. When you're talking about like constantly being loud and disrupting not only yourself, your table mates, but also the people around you, I think that that's when it gets to be a little bit much. So to conclude the story of your friend from Pittsburgh. Come, whoa, chill. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan. He's a, a big friend of... Uh, I, I shouldn't say it like that. That's not true. But like, he's a big supporter of Stout's charity, and that's how we all found his Twitter. Is that he has a bunch of pictures with like Hellmuth and like. Uh, oh, okay. So this CSOP. guy, they've seen his dick before. All right. <laughs> so, so uh, after that, he goes to the Luxar, stands on a crafts table, and does his whole thing again. Like, so he's on like a complete bender right now. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I, that one was. Full frontal, man. Yeah. I mean, that was like 45 seconds of just like full dick. I don't know if I could handle all that shit. That shit's crazy. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, it wasn't great quality video. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going somewhere else. Anyway. It was so, implied. <laughs> so, all right. So that was day one of the tournament. Yeah. That was day one of the tournament. Uh, we all bagged, which is like pretty surprising. Like, most, like not surprising. All but of like, us except for Hunt bagged last year. Yeah, I was uh, rewatching uh, Results May Vary, and man, I wish I would have watched it before the main, mm. because I pretty much rewatched it because I was sad and upset that I'm no longer in the biggest event in the world, and it just, it was so nostalgic and uh, just like brought back this like flood of emotions of what it's like to actually run deep, mm. and I was just like, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have had like that extra layer of motivation, or at least uh, I guess recall. Of, of how special this thing is. It is special. It is special. Good I luck. I think you kind of forget when you're like in the middle of the pavilion. I think you just forget any, any time that you're, I was having this conversation with, uh, yeah, with Jennifer Harmon. I was having this conversation. Oh shit. Name drop. I didn't even want to, you saw, you saw the pause. I was like, ah, should I really, <laughs> ah, whatever. Anyway. So then I was just like having this conversation of just like, how different it is when you're actually playing and not realizing the moment. It's like, you know, when I was playing that like 100-100 game with you a couple months ago, maybe like two months ago, and I play like an 85K pot. At the time, like, I don't realize I'm about to play an 85K pot. Like, I'm literally, I just said all in. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay, call, yeah. you know? But like, you don't realize how big that is until like you're outside of it, you know? And it's kind of the same in the main event and obviously a different context, but like, when you're playing, you're just playing. I think your generation can speak to that and up and coming generations behind you will feel the same because you have the, I, I guess, the luxury of being removed from the results and being a lot more emotionally intact. We all learned this game through gambling. Like we, mm. you know, my generation and generations before didn't have the strategic approach 
that the current ones do. So everything was anecdotal, right? Everything was feel based. Uh, it was experiential learning and you felt it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm jaded as fuck now. Like showing up to day seven would maybe put a grin on my face and there would be a little bit of like butterflies or, or whatever. But the first time through in 2010, when this was the most monumental thing that had happened to me in my career, it hit me every single minute of every single day. And that's why like by day four, by day five, by day six, I was so physically exhausted just from warding off the sheer right. and utter adrenaline rush. You know, it's like you just have nothing but an influx of hormones and chemicals flowing through you for seven days because you literally don't know what's about to happen. Do you still feel that way? Like when you're all in, a, like you're all in, the guy calls in your head, no jack. Like, yeah. Like something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like just like not wanting to see that card at each peel off, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I'm not doing myself a service if I don't attempt to control the uncontrollable. You know, so it's like I take it to the next level. So if I get in like, uh, like say, Kings versus Ace Queen of Clubs, right? For, when it goes all in pre-flop, I'm just in my head rooting for a king. Mm -hmm. Then once the flop comes out, if it doesn't contain a club, I'm just rooting for clubs the rest of the time. <laughs> if it contains one club, I get it, I get it, yeah. then I'm rooting for a black card because at least now he only has one out, right? That's funny. <laughs> so there was a time where like I felt as if I... Like there was too much emotions when I was all in for a while, so like I just stopped looking. I don't look either. Like I just I, like stopped. I looking. try not to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because like I was just like, like too nervous. Like I was just like, if I won the pot, I was like, like, and if I lost the pot, I was I was like crushed. So like yeah. I was just like, right, I'm just gonna look. If, if if money starts coming my way, it's good. It's hard not to look when your tournament life's on the line. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, whenever I I I had the deep run in the super high roller ball, I didn't look at a single all in. Uh, you can see it on the footage. Yeah, yeah. I was literally just like staring off into space. I didn't want, I didn't want to feel any responsibility to what was about to come. I just wanted to let it happen and let the the cards fall. And in both instances, it's the same. It's just like screaming at a TV when your when your favorite sports team's on there. You have no control. Right, right. But you trick yourself, and like sometimes that can be uh, especially impactful. So then day two occurs. Is this when you were exited? Yeah. Okay. I didn't last long. So day two occurred. You were eliminated from the tournament. You want to speak to how you were eliminated? No. Just. Sorry. I mean, it was it was pretty basic. Uh, button open. I jammed twenty with queen jack from the small, and big blind woke up with queens. So because of all the eliminations, there was an account that popped up mm. after that uh, at Slay America Incorporated. Mm. at Slay America Inc. Um, because his, his, the original account was banned. And he started popping off with some tweets and it got a lot of traction. Uh, I believe Marley was eliminated as well. And then she tweeted uh, something and got a response from, uh, from Slay America Inc. Have you, have you like seen all the Slay America Inc. tweets? Not, not all of them. I've, uh, I've gandered a few. Okay. Well, Marley writes... Made a short list of loathing slash destructive things I can do now that I busted the main. One, steal something from 7-Eleven. Two, go on a Tinder date. Three, drive on the wrong side of the road. Then Slay America says, please don't do any of, these, any of this Marley. 
you've been a hero of mine for providing literally nothing of value and making fistfuls of cash from it. You're a true grinder. Best of luck, best of luck next year. Now hit the fucking showers. <laughs> and this goes on for many, many people that have uh, busted the main event, and I'm sure that it will continue all the way to the final table, maybe even heads up. Uh, I think that this is pretty good. I, I, I think that he was really entertaining. I actually donated uh, $6.69 because that, that seemed to be the theme. He's like a big 69 guy. I don't know what's going on. Um, did you get showered? I did not get showered. I did not even... I, I'm not big on like tweeting. This year, I said I'm not going to tweet any bust outs and I'm not going to tweet any chip stacks. Yeah, man, I've been trying to stay off the, the social media grid a little bit. Shut the fuck off. I, had, oh I, I put out one tweet in like the last four days. During the main event, I didn't want to be distracted. Yeah, yeah, I, sure. I was off Twitter almost uh, completely. Twitter is a platform that very well lends itself to sharing of information and exchanging laughs. And unfortunately, like a lot of that gets lost in the muck of people just trying to tear one another down in a non-funny is this, way. Is this tearing one another down? Because like some people blocked him. Some people didn't like it, you know? People are soft, man. It's just like he's, th this clearly isn't directed at anybody, right? Like this is very obvious that every single person who tweets about busting the main event, he's taking full advantage to make material out of it. Right. Like I don't think that there's a line to cross there. Uh, I don't think it's mean-spirited. And quite frankly, even if it were, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, you know, he's not like airing dirty laundry or falsely accusing people of anything. I never it, understood that, that, that airing dirty laundry. Like, it makes no sense to me. I, I mean, I'm, like, I'm mostly Spanish, I guess. Like, I don't understand these, like, quotes, like, airing <laughs> dirty laundry. What the fuck does that even mean? I mean, it's, like, similar to, like, having skeletons in your closet. Like, Another thing that makes no sense. <laughs> uh, that's fair. <laughs> Well, no, that does make sense. Like, so the, the long and short of it is having a skeleton in your closet would be like you murder somebody and... And you, you just left them there? Well, no, like you, you hide the bones in your closet, right? And where does all the stuff go? And it deteriorates. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, anyway, go ahead, continue. <laughs> the thing you can't get rid of is the bones, you know? That, that's the, the remaining evidence. And like with Dirty Laundry, it's the same thing. Like you don't want, to see, you don't want people seeing your shit-stained underwear. All right, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like all of this is, is funny. I think that it's good. So now we're on, you know, obviously I busted day three. This is now like the second year in a row where I bust like pretty close to the money. But, How'd you know, you bust? I defended 9-8 offsuit with uh, 16 blinds uh, facing a button open. Flock comes Jack 10x uh, check uh, third pot all in call ace jack. Mm. And I was like pretty sure I was like fine. All right. This is my fate. Brick, brick. See you. And then when I'm getting all my stuff, he's like, see you later, Christian. I didn't know this guy knew who I was. I don't like that shit. Like, <laughs> like you just busted me. Now you know my name. You should have told me that before that. Like, you can't introduce yourself. It's privileged information, man. Oh, fuck. And I didn't know who he was. Anyway. Well, now you shout know. out to you, man. I hope you win. I hope you're, I hope you're out, actually. Uh, so... Now, day four, we see uh, the... Actually, the bubble did break that night uh, of day three. Last level of day three. Uh, yeah. One of our friends, Brian LaManna, who won an $80 flip, ends up cashing the manager. The yes, the, the manager of this uh, company that's going to be bought by Google at some point, maybe. Um, is, you know, he wins an $80 flip on WSOP.com, then 
plays this tournament, cashes it with like five big blinds, folds queens uh, with like nine bigs facing an open because the bubble is, yeah. is in front of us. That's pretty wild, man. And, I did the math. It was 187x yeah. cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Like, there was discussions in our group text if he should even fold aces at that point. Like, I'm not sure I, we didn't do the math or anything, but like... Well, the math no, may not justify it ever. Right, um, right. But I, I don't know, though, because like... This, I you lose 20% of the time. 187x. Right. I'm I, not I, sure. I don't know what, what having 19 blinds would be worth by comparison. Yeah. Right. So like his nine blind stack, we're pretty sure is worth a min cash. Correct. Uh, it's 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 like gonna cash, maybe a hundred percent of the time. To be honest, he could probably just leave. If he doubles eighty percent of the time to say nineteen blinds or nineteen mm -hmm. and a half blinds, um, you know, how much more frequently than when he has nine blinds does he go deeper into the event? Mm -hmm. Is it two x? You know, probably not. Right. Uh, but what we do know is that. For somebody who $15,000 means a lot to, this becomes a lot more of a, a, a complex issue. Like Correct. there is a much more justified. So effectively, like think of it this way. Imagine you made a wager, a last longer for life-changing money. Mm -hmm. Min cashing was worth, say, $500,000. Correct. According to this last longer. Yeah. Do you fold aces? Yeah. Yeah, you have to, right? Yeah, because like your expectation is never going to be greater <clears throat> mm -hmm. than, mm -hmm. and, and I mean that's a lot simpler of a problem because 500k is like something equivalent to like 11th. Right. For him, it's a more complex problem because he's dealing with numbers that incrementally get larger the deeper he goes into the field. Do uh, you think this happens a lot in the main event? Yeah, for and sure. This is why there's things like sell your stack. The first time I heard of uh, people selling their stack was like pretty much Timex. Uh, puts out a tweet like, if you, you know, if this is a lot of money to you or like if if whatever, like, you know, just tell me uh, who you are, how many chips you have, what table you're at, and I will make you an offer uh, yeah. for to buy your stack. Yeah. I think that that is uh, something, you know, like, let's say, for example, like uh, someone is in this situation, like they have eight, like. Instead of folding aces, you could just be like, hey, I'll buy your stack for uh, whatever, 11K. Mm -hmm. Now he's not folding aces anymore. Ever. Well, you wouldn't yeah. ever want to buy a complete well, of stack. Of course, of the, course. But I'm saying the, the idea would be that there's some sort of threshold that yeah. won't impact his play. So it's probably something in the neighborhood of like 30%. Correct. That's but yeah, when you can begin to insure that stack to some level, like, so say, say Brian's stack is worth like 17.5. Mm -hmm. And you say, like, uh, I'll take 30% of it for 4K. Yeah, something to that effect. Um, now he has a lot more ease because he's locked up 4K. He still has 70% equity in his stack, and you know he can m more comfortably play those queens on the bubble. Yeah, it kind of sucks for the person buying though because now he's taking on more risk where he will be all in with those queens. Yeah, you know you kind of have to internalize that. So you want to you want to set the price just like any insurance, right? right? right. You want to set a bad price. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny you mention it because I uh, was talking to Dan O'Brien starting day three and I asked him what he thought Kessler's stack was worth when he was like one of the chip leaders. And he goes, I don't know, maybe like four or five X, you know, so like 40 face. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, it seems like high. Uh, so I kind of like push back and I go, what do you think like uh, a good like MTT pro stack would be worth. He's like, or, or same stack, but like, what, what do you think the value was? He was like 15 to 20 X. 
And I'm like, that's strong, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe. Uh, so let's say someone like Alex Foxen bags Chipley. Yeah. I mean, it's very reasonable for his stack to be worth, uh, you know, 100, 150K. It's just hard, though, because, like, Chipley with... Chipley day one is just not that No, no, no. This, this was, this was Chipley day two. entering day three. It's uh, a lot of chips. Yeah, but, like, you know, you're still dealing with, like, a quarter of the field. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit less. So let's say, like... No, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, about, about a quarter, a quarter of the field. field. Yeah. So, like, 25% of the field's left, right? Yeah. Uh, and let's say chip lead is 10 starting stacks. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, no it would be more than that. Yeah, it was like... Right, because average stack would be four starting stacks? It was stacks. over a million. It was, like, over a million chips. For okay, sure. so let's so say that it's... Like, let's say it's, like, 15 starting stacks. Yeah. At that point, you still only have, uh, you know, like, sub 1% of the for chips sure. in play. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, to to value it at like 150k, now you're talking about like it being valued somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60 or 70 left in the event. Yeah, which means that you're assuming this stack is going to accumulate on average, uh, whatever you know the average stack would be with that many left. Yeah, which is probably like 25 or 30x yeah, the current sure. chip position. Thing is, like uh, a stack of like 1.2 million, and I'm probably thinking of this incorrectly, but like that's still roughly 40 or 40 something blinds today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's that's true. And and that was Dan's point too: is that the deeper the stack progresses, the more it's rewarded incrementally because there's so much money up top. Yeah, Uh, which is very fair. So like, it's not like the person has to finish on average in 60th position. Correct. It's just they need to average a return of 150k right. so like as long as they win it once correct uh or whatever and, and you know through the icm model obviously you're more probable to do so but uh, it's it's a fun it's a fun yeah. finance game i guess to kind of play yeah. where there isn't necessarily a perfect answer through the through the model currently if you're a no-name pro out there you want to sell your stack today today right now as this comes out, actually, this might come out and turn It'll be like the over. final table, man. Well, if you want to sell your stack at the final table. Amir Levitt did this. He yeah. final tabled the, the main event, I think, in 2015 or 16. Uh, and he sold for, like, ICM. To Timex? No, he sold publicly on 2 plus 2. Wow. He sold, like, 35% of himself at, at uh, ICM. Timex probably got it. Timex gets everything. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts... Uh, now that we are deep into this tournament, there's a lot of good players left. This is like I, I saw a list of the players. It was it was pretty impressive. Like, you know, the Sam Greenwoods of the world, I think, are still in. Both Greenwoods are. Yeah, yeah. both Greenwoods are in. Chances in. Foxen's in. Uh, One of them tortured Denise Pratt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was Denise. Sam. Yeah, yeah, it was Sam. Yeah. Uh, you know, she texted me and she was like, how, you know, you got to teach me how to beat Sam. I'm like, Sam's very good. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's if start I have a little bit lower. Yeah, I don't know if I have the answers for you to how to beat Sam. There's another 500 players in the field, some of which I'm probably much better than. But like Sam, I don't know. You, you might be on your own. You know, get Ace King, move all in, yeah. hope to win. Yeah, yeah. You know? Let's instead of battling Sam Greenwood, maybe start with focusing on beating Joe Rec. Yeah. Oh, if Sam's in the big blind, open 3.5x. Don't let him call. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Sure. Um, all right. So then uh, eventually we were all eliminated. And now we are here recording this podcast for you all, and that's great. <laughs> nice transition, man. I don't give a fuck, man. I, I'm out of the main event. Do your job. Um, there's more coverage. Have you been watching the coverage? 
Um, not as much as I would like. Uh, I, I tuned in a little bit to the After Dark special with Shulman and Ali. We're on day five. Andrew Brokus is one of the trip leaders for sure. A uh, good friend of ours. He's come to the uh, both academies now. He's came to the Cash Academy. He came to the our first MTT Academy. Uh, both instances, we let him kind of just like come on in, give us his thoughts, like and, and kind of see what he thought about the whole experience. Yeah, I basically just like leaned on him to kind of audit our process. He came to the second academy we ever ran and then the first MTT Academy, uh, obviously value his feedback a lot. He just put a book out, uh, I was thumbing through it. It seems like it's great. It seems like it really fills that niche uh, of lowering the barrier of entry to theoretical thinking, which is tough. That's a big challenge. I think it's something that the community desperately needs. I think it's what John missed whenever he wrote applications. Mm. That was just an advanced book for advanced players. Uh, and when you pass it off to somebody who's like trying to get their foot in the door or trying to improve, it's just Greek to them. I think Brokus does a really great job of like kind of distilling things down into digestible bites. And honestly, I think the, the biggest takeaway is when you sit down with your thoughts and uh, try to collect them and put them into a strategic playbook of sorts, good things happen on the back end. Like, yeah. I'm not shocked to see him make a run. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's for like, sure. He's, he's more in touch and in tune with his own personal strategy now than he's probably ever been in his entire career. And suddenly he's in a situation where he's chip-led the main event for four out of five days. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely incredible. He was the chip leader of the main event. And then uh, we go on break. And he asked me for a picture. That was pretty <laughs> I'm like, bro, you're about to fucking win this tournament. Like, I should take a picture with you. you yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah, no, get he, him before he's famous. Yeah. Uh, so he was like, hey, can I get a selfie with you? And I was just like, I was like, yeah, man, whatever. Like, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, after, after I final table this, we'll do another podcast. Do you think he was fucking with you? No, he asked me to do another podcast after the tournament's over. And I'm nice. like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, whatever you want, man. Lock that in, man, uh, before he gets too big time. Yeah, he's going to win the here. tournament. He's like, nah, man, podcast with me, $200. You know? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, definitely hope he does really well. Uh, a friend of the show for sure. So back to Jersey. Uh, so we're going back, we're going to Jersey, your favorite place in the world, Atlantic city. We're going to host our first Academy there. Uh, we're going to also host our, a podcast there. We're also going to host a meetup game there. We're also going to host investment strategies there. We're going to host a fighting camp there. We're going to host what else, what else is going on there? Uh, most of that is true. Most of that is definitely true. September 1st, uh, we are doing a MTT Academy. Uh, the Brigada kicks off their, I guess, fall open or yeah. something of uh, that nature on the 4th. So, um, we're going to be doing, uh, the MTT Academy, the first of the third, the winners of the, uh, tables are, are going to get entries into the 400 as, uh, alongside other prizes, uh, subscription site and things like that. I think we have half the seats full, maybe. Yes. So there's still time if you're interested. Uh, the 5th through the 7th, we're going to be doing uh, the Cash Academy, also uh, in New Jersey. Um, and in between all of that, we're going to be doing a meetup game, I believe, at the Brigada. And there's a giveaway. Oh, yeah. I didn't really approve of this giveaway because I don't really like giving away money. But I was convinced by my colleagues and by Matt Berkey... That giveaway is a good idea. So now you can tell them about the giveaway and I'll tell them everything I don't like about it. All right. 
Uh, so much like what we did uh, a little, man, is it almost two years? Yeah, two now? years, man. Two wow. freaking years. Yeah. So I guess it was two years ago. That was a good giveaway. Um, which was our first giveaway where we uh, discovered Marley and Justin Russell. Ever since we started Salt for Why, we've just like been on this grassroots marketing campaign. What's up, Salt for Why? Hey, team for Salt for Why Academy. Good evening, Mr. Berkey, Mr. Soto, Mr. Young. What's up, everybody? Just a quick reminder, we're giving away one seat to next week's Academy. All you have to do is submit a one to two minute long video. I like it. I think it's like a, an easy way for us to reach out and connect with people who are interested in us. We just finished watching all the submissions. We came to a conclusion and we gave away a seat. What's up, Salt for Why? My name is Justin Russell. I'm a 26-year-old from Denver, Colorado. I think Justin is super, super excited to be here. Like all my poker friends back home, they're like, dude, soak this in. This is such a good opportunity. And we have a little trick up our sleeve, Chin. What? We're giving away a second seat. It's just a, such a male-dominated field that I just think that being a woman that succeeds in it would be a statement in and of itself. Marley's a little bit more difficult to read uh, just because she's been around poker longer, she lives with poker players. I try to not think about what other people think about me and I try to get better at shaking it off and just compete with my own self. I think that we see a need in the community for a lot of people to actually traverse through and out of the learning curve rather than just be kind of stuck in a rut for a lifetime. Um, we're gonna be doing something very similar in that vein. So for the next five weeks, we're gonna be taking video submissions uh, that basically answer the question of what was the most impactful thing that's happened to you in your career mm -hmm. or what's impacted your career the most, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's just gonna be a two minute video submission. Get as creative as you want. Obviously, uh, you know, the best answers, the most creativity, all those things are gonna be judged. And we're gonna be giving away a seat to the MTT Academy in Jersey, as well as a seat to the uh, Cash Game Academy in Jersey. Um, and you could submit to both. Right. But you can't win both. Right. So you can double your chances of winning a seat by creating a video for each, uh, but you obviously can't win both. Um, the way that we are setting it up is uh, the simple guidelines are you must follow us on Twitter. Uh, you must uh, at our Twitter account whenever you post the video yes. and use the hashtag S4Y cash or S4Y MTT, depending on which one you're submitting the video to. And at Christian Soto on Venmo, $10 is required for you to submit. And then maybe you get a little bit bump bump up on the rank Christians off the judging panel <laughs> oh all right no I think that that's that's a really good idea what was the most impactful moment in your career um so put you on the spot you didn't expect this coming this wasn't in the in the in the sheet no the it wasn't the sheet we were supposed to do it off camera now nah, do it now I'll tell you what the most while you think the most impactful moment of my career is something that you probably don't know is honestly it's it was uh it was meeting you man it was good honestly like it was like you taking me on as a student i'll tell you the story do you remember how we began uh like our relationship uh yeah it was me trying to avoid you yeah that's that, that, was, that was pretty much it so i i started coaching when i was broke and then you reached out when i was rich and i was like yeah i don't do that anymore all right so let's tell the actual truth what actually happened was i tried to get coaching from vanessa Selps and she was too expensive yeah and then i tried to get coaching from jay carver and he was too busy yeah so then he was like uh he was like oh you should reach out to matt berkey and then i was like i remember uh you coaching uh russell thomas in that thing in, in that uh, final, final table, table yeah. yeah. 
So I was like, oh yeah, he seems cool. Um, so then I reached out to you and it was definitely in the summertime. So you were like, oh, I'm not taking on any students uh, for the World Series, you know, right before the World Series or whatever. And I was like, all right, sure. And then you uh, kicked me to the curb and said, I'll hit you up when I'm free. Well, that's because I made half a million that summer and I didn't need you anymore. All right, but, <laughs> but then- well, I didn't know I didn't need you. Yeah, so then uh, I was, you know, I was playing like 2-5 or whatever and I was, I, I was winning and then I was playing in this underground game in New Jersey and then you were like, hey, I'm free, do you have time to talk? Uh, and I was like, yeah. So then I stepped out of the game and I took the call in the hallway and then you, well, you first, you made me write down my entire strategy through email. Uh, and I remember I was, I put a lot of thought into that. I was like, yeah, so then I three bet a depolarized range. Mm. I remember that. And then you're like, yeah, that's a good start. That's what you wrote. Yeah. That was fucked up. What? I mean. It was like two pages. Yeah. You can't put it all into two pages. Listen, Brokus, I, if you need help in that, in, in writing a book of strategy, I'll send you my email that I sent to Berkey. That was a good one. <laughs> But then after that, you were like, yeah, I'll take you on. And the funny story was that you made me an offer, right, of, of coaching at the time, which is which was, was a good offer. You were like, we could either do one hour for $250, right, or we can exhaust the topic for $300. Yeah, that was dumb. So I clearly took the $300 option. I didn't know I was getting myself into yeah. it. Um, and I was like, all right, so $300 uh, and we can exhaust the topic. So that was good. So then I kept you on the phone for like an hour and a half, two hours every time. Yeah. That was really good. That was a good deal. But that was definitely the beginning of uh, like the most impactful moment of my career was effectively like you taking me on as a student because even though I had really good resources like, you know, of study, like it kind of, it was like a good, it was uh, the beginning of a better trajectory. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my side of that story is, is very, very different. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, it's probably, I'm sure it's less humble. No, it's, 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 well, yeah, it is a little bit less humble, but it's also like probably pretty interesting. So uh, you're right in that uh, I very much needed the money when you first reached out, but I was too busy because I had a full package. Mm. And then I won too much money during the summer and didn't need the coach anymore. But you were goddamn so persistent. Yeah. And you just seemed so excited that I, I did still enjoy the coaching process. And I was like, all right, man, like this kid really wants it. He's going to be way better than anybody I've, I've done anything with in the past. Like, let's do it. And I just remember like the second that we started hitting the 90 minute mark in these conversations, I was like, I can't give this guy my phone number. Mm. Like, I just can't breathe with how much I'm going to get hit up. And this kind of like continued on for a little while uh, until I made – a trip to New York for the first time. I was, yeah. I was in town for Alan Barry's wedding. Yeah. It was the first time I've ever been to New York City. And <laughs> you you were like such a go-getter in the sense that like you demanded to meet. <laughs> you demanded to like uh, show us around. Like I was there with Brian and we were just like, you know, we were just chill. We, we didn't really care. And you were like, where do you want to get food? Like, let's go to this corner. Like, I know exactly where I'm at. Like, I'm getting dropped off here. Oh, you got to go to the bank. Here's a bank over here. Like, <laughs> go ahead. And, get, and it was just like, Man, this kid is like really getting after it. But, but what everyone doesn't know is the first thing you did when you showed up, which honestly I know came from a good place, but it's so funny to me in retrospect. Is, man, I know where it's going. <laughs> is you were like, hey man, 
I, uh, I, I brought you a copy of my book and I signed it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like... Yeah, I had to show you I was on the same playing field. Yeah, yeah, You know? No, honestly, it was, it was so endearing. I signed it. I know you did. Okay. Well. LaManna actually has it somewhere. Oh, well, that's right. It was actually really endearing. It was just like, it was, for me personally, like, I don't accept gifts well. So it was like just a really awkward situation. But at that point, it was like, okay, he's got my number now. I'm definitely in the cage. And slowly but surely, like, uh, I, I developed this, like, rapport with you where you became like this little brother figure to me. Oh, and see, that's, what I, that's what we need to talk about. Go ahead. Do we? Sure. All right, fine. <laughs> um, I mean, like, you know. And my little brother, let me tell you guys what, actually, what he actually means. It's like, I would send a hand, and he's like, wow, you still fucking suck. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but to some degree, like, that is true. Like, there was, it, it was, it was very much stripped away. Like, I felt like I could be very open with you. I yeah. felt like I could trust you with stuff. You know, there was, there was times where I was, like, traveling. You would just, like, meet me in Jersey and, like... I wasn't worried about like money around you or anything like that. We definitely developed like this, this friendship, but it was in a very different vein. It wasn't like we were work acquaintances or or anything like that. Like I definitely felt like this responsibility to you and your results. That was after you stopped charging me though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once you got my phone number, I don't think I charged you after that. It was just like, I'm caged. Like I'm giving him so much, so much of response through these texts. That like I'd rather just keep this going with no money exchange than actually have to sit down for ninety minutes again. <laughs> That's funny, um, but yeah, I mean like you know it, it impacted myself and obviously this company a lot too. Uh, you know, you really pushed for the academy idea. I was very hesitant to do it. Mm. I was very hesitant to for a lot of reasons. I mean, we we really kind of originated the idea in like two thousand sixteen, and at the time the only competitor was Run at Once. Mm. There was literally nobody else in the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it yeah. was kind of like, I don't know that I want to butt heads against somebody who has all of the, uh, the, the community support. And I also, at the time, like, you know, GTO was yeah, at it was its, its earliest stages, yeah, yeah, right? Sure. So like, I was also like, you know, I don't really know that I want to just be open with strategy mm-hmm. because I knew we were doing things like so, so, so exploitably. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, you kind of get over it and you realize that like no one's listening anyway. Yeah. Uh, and we evolved and, you know, everybody yeah. had to adopt a more theoretical approach. I think, I think a lot of like the, especially for you, like forcing you because of not, not because of me, but like, because you had to explain things to me and like put things down on like, like in, in order that kind of forced you to, like you're saying in terms of brokers, like put down your strategy on paper and that made you a better player as well. You know? Yeah, I mean, I had been formulating a lot of stuff already, but I was mostly coaching really low stakes players who were in the infancy of their career or the beginnings or whatever. So it was a lot of basics. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was done working with you, like, you know, we had joked that I wouldn't sell my Google Drive for a million dollars. Yeah. And at yeah. the time, I think that that was very true. I, I made more than that in 2016 uh, and, sure. and beyond. So, well, I mean, I cashed for more than that anyway, like, you know, the super high roller bowl and everything else. I really think that we were ahead of our, our time. Uh, unfortunately, the, the trajectory in which training moved, in which uh, the, solvers came the, and- the solvers came and just the landscape of, of learning as a whole was rapid. So I believe that we've done a great job of keeping up, but the market's become insanely competitive. Yeah. Like just look at what's launched in 2016. It was Ben CB. It was uh, Upswing. You know, there was, uh, I guess Crush Live was already in the market, but I don't think they were a very big player at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Red Chip. They were pretty much in their infancy stages. 
And uh, now, you know, we're seeing Fedor launch. We saw Negrano do a master class, Phil Ivey. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it never right, ends, right, you right. know? Ryan LaPlante. Yeah, Ryan LaPlante's launching now. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's, oh, yeah, Chip Leader also. Yeah. Uh, it's an insanely saturated market now. Yeah. And had I known that then, I probably would have never gotten into this business. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely has changed uh, since like our inception for sure, and and I think that in a way it's bad because obviously the, all the competition, but in a way, uh, it also brings more awareness to yeah. training and, and things like that, uh, and then eventually the best players uh, do win. But as in all cases, I think that this is going to be an interesting way of how training moves into it, and maybe we'll get into it in the next podcast, but. Effectively, uh, when you look at major players, uh, especially through like the lens of Silicon uh, Valley and things, there's like it's almost like a winner take all market right. at the end of the day. Yeah, so yeah. like eventually there'll be one, and they'll just win. Yeah, uh, and then there'll be like two or three that like linger around, uh, similar to like the Uber, or Lyft, or like the Twitter and Facebook and whatever that everyone everyone else is gone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, we kind of circled around it, but I would say that in a lot of ways, like, that probably was one of the most impactful things because, like, had I not met you, software probably doesn't come to existence, at least not the way that it is now. You don't become famous. You uh, make all the money in the background, and that's... So I would have been a lot better off is what you're saying. <laughs> not without me, but I'm saying in a general sense, maybe you, like, playing in some back room in Macau right now, and no one ever knows who you are. But instead, you're famous. All the all the all the ladies are hitting you up. You look good. You 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 know you have a nice shirt on. You have a podcast. And people know your thoughts, and you're you're gonna be okay. I wouldn't mind anonymity, but I agree. Like we've created a platform that uh, I absolutely relish, and mm -hmm. you know I think we both have the same vision of like growing this beyond the capacity. Yeah, you're going to Silicon Valley talking to investors from Google. Not Google. Why don't you talk to the investors? It, it, it's a slow process, man. If you're an investor from Google. Hit, hit me up. Hit, hit me up. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it. Soft Wife Vlogcast main event edition next week. No more tournament talk. We're just going to, I don't know what the world, what are we going to talk about? Who won the main event? Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Andrew Brokers, win the main event. If you don't win the main event, you're dead. Ooh, maybe we can get him on after winning the main event. He'll be too big. Yeah, you're right. But maybe he could be an investor. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're out.